Yeah, I, I I asked Larry if he needed prep time, and he said, "I don't know what prep time means." <laughs> Is that like that Hollywood talk? You know that newfangled, you know, um, it's in the it, business industry talk. Yes, it's industry <laughs> lingo. It just you know some people need. Uh, they some people really need to know. All right, like what are we going to talk about, or if there's anything that's off limits, or um, I, I've been doing it for so long that I forget that it is kind of like for it's so normalized for me that it's like I can't even put myself into the headspace of someone that's like fresh to it. But I do remember it used to be like this crazy thing it's like oh i yeah. hope i said the right thing yeah and um shoot 210 episodes later i'm just literally like i i'm waiting for the day that <laughs> um that some of the information i put out on my podcast is gonna bite me in the ass but oh I, no <laughs> but like professionally or something yeah. Yeah. i don't i don't i don't know that that it would though necessarily i haven't like i haven't really said anything i don't know that i guess is not like public record maybe some like old criminal activity <laughs> yeah i mean so this is this is larry heard one of my yeah i would say you're 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 one of my oldest friends um Larry, so I met Larry when I was in uh, rehab at, at St. Christopher's in Baton Rouge. I moved to um, Baton Rouge, Louisiana from South Carolina in 2005 to go to St. Christopher's. And that's where I met Dirty Mike, um, Brent, all sorts of people, Randy that you've heard me talk about. And mm -hmm. my rehab job was Smoothie King. And yeah. that on the LSU campus. And that Smoothie. is where <laughs> that is where I met Larry. Giving people shots of protein. Yes. <laughs> do you do you remember do you remember when we would uh like add extra fiber if they were like asshole customers? Yes, yes, I do. You know, yes. they come up and they're like, This smoothie is made wrong. I need you to remake it. And so we just dump, you know. What yes. Is, what, is it, what was it called? Something. What was it called again? Was it yeast or fiber? No, it was fiber. No, it was. Yeah, it was just like straight up fiber. fiber <laughs> just like... Dumping in there. Oh, then, dude. You know, give them the blessing of regularity. You know, so. Dude, I feel so bad. <laughs> so and uh, like since it was on a college campus, every third customer would be like can you pour some whiskey like i've got some liquor can you pour that in there yeah it's like no man we're not a daiquiri can shop we, can we make this a daiquiri I got yeah to go to. i'm trying to get ready yeah no sir i'm sorry I, I i like to keep my job so larry so the other um i guess thing that bonded us was larry was a christian and he introduced me to that was when I started going to like a campus church, um, which is where I met uh, Evan, the alcoholic um, or the pastor that told me to go to AA. If you all remember that from an episode, I think last year um, he was the worship leader and I guess like student pastor there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and Larry lived in this house called Casablanca that was. Yep. Probably it, it, it ended up being the most unique living experience I've ever had where it was the White House. The White House. It was a <laughs> it was a giant like old school plantation style yeah. home. Mm -hmm. And we had the second floor and it was what a three bedroom and how many people lived there? Seven. Seven. At first it was six. And then we met Jed and it became seven. It became seven. <laughs> it was like the real world Baton Rouge. You know, they added a new, a new uh, cast member to the show because the so, ratings were low. And we yeah, exactly. Get someone, <laughs> get someone interesting in the house so that you can pick up the ratings, basically. 
but it was it was such a cool it was such a cool house it was like everyone was everyone was all artsy and creative and weird and like we'd have jam sessions and like and everyone was christian except for that random dude that like lived in the kitchen who drank a lot he was like a real cool dude like adam maybe or something yeah i think he was Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. He's just like really cool. So it was hard to see, you know? Yeah. He was so cool, dude. I remember being like, like he, he was really low key with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, because he, I feel like he was almost, we were so young and he was much older than we were. So he was more established in just being a really like legit, solid guy and not necessarily being in that place where you're unsure where you are you know mm-hmm. he, he just kind of he was already there you know he was in a band he was working you know and making money he could probably fix your car um you know he's just doing all the, yeah. the the adult man things and we we're just kids you know like oh i gotta go to school you know yes you know? dude children <laughs> so i thought it would be um to start out i thought it would be interesting you know the first part of this episode i just want to reminisce right so i thought it'd be interesting for me to tell you what happened through my point of view and then if you can remember that time period at all i'm i'm sure you do i want to hear what it was like for you so all right so i'd moved in there i can't remember i uh like i can't remember what led me to going there if i'd gotten like kicked out of a halfway house or something i can't remember why i moved in there um but i did and i was sober at the time and then i relapsed um unbeknownst to anybody at the house and it started that was when i was doing uh cocaine mainly that was when i was uh, injecting cocaine, which was the worst point of my, that was like the most stereotypically addict behavior that I was like ever. Um, and I was dating, I was dating that, that lady that we remember. Um, you remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so my use had started escalating. I remember there was this one fuzzy night that I remember waking up at the hospital. I think I had also started doing Xanax at that time. Um, and I remember using, um, this was the most unfortunate thing ever. So I borrowed Aaron's uh, drums to play that Halloween show. You remember that we were a cover band, dude. We were so awful, and <laughs> so I, thought I d- were pretty good. But, okay, you know, in my memory, in my memory, I thought we were awful, but that's good. But I remember we we like we were like for, the main for, for a cover band, you know. So it was, yeah, it was decent. You know, y'all y'all had a gig. You had a gig. <laughs> and we the funniest thing was like we were the main event of this party and we had like three songs and then we were done <laughs> and, and we were like um all right i guess that's it but i, I remember thank you uh <laughs> i remember i left we were like do you want to pack up the drums tonight or come get them later and of course me being lazy i was like we'll get them later and it ended up being like six months later and wow. when I went and picked them up, dude, it was missing like the base. It was missing like four very expensive things. And I remember Aaron told, and this is after everything kind of went down and Aaron totally assumed that I like stole it. Mm-hmm. And, but I, but I, this was a, this was a time in my life when I really did not. Um, granted, I, I was responsible. So I ended up uh, paying him back for that stuff. Um that was awful. I, so I remember this is where I, I remember cause everyone used to, um, pin their rent checks like on a big board. And I remember taking the cool guys rent check. Cause it was $200. I remember, um, getting something. And then I just remember waking up in the hospital 
And then I remember coming home and like everyone was in a circle, all everyone in the house and Angel, who's my favorite person. I remember her crying and then basically saying like, we, we love you very much, but like you can't, we don't think you can live here anymore. And that's when I moved into Hannah and Elizabeth's and that was okay for, I don't know. I don't remember the length of period that it was okay, but I remember um, it was like, I don't remember what day it was, but I remember taking these Gabatril pills that my doctor had given me and I went to Walmart and um, I started like everything was like vibrating and it felt off. And I was like, okay, I need to go home. And I got home and I was like, something was seriously, seriously wrong. And I just remember I had double vision and I turned on the TV. It was man versus wild. And I laid down on the couch. And the, the last, I remember it so vividly was like Bear Grylls um, up, upside down. And then just the world just started shaking. And yeah. Then the next thing that I remember is a priest and two womenly figures floating above me and praying and me thinking I was dead. And that was when, uh, and I wrote this in my live journal. What I wrote was that the priest said, you've been given a second chance. Don't waste it. So what had happened was I was, I had overdosed. I was in a coma and I, as soon as I started having a seizure, I hit my, hit my head on a glass table and like cut myself. And then I started seizuring blood like all over the apartment. Wow. And apparently they, Olivia and Hannah came home and like the, the place was trashed. And like, I was in a corner, like frozen muscularly. And I guess the EMS came and they injected me with something and she said that like i think it was called like a catatonic seizure or something like that but i do remember her telling me that i started screaming like a like a banshee scream or something that's about when i started when i came into that that myth See, and that's that's why i'm interested cuz all that was told to me i obviously don't remember that um but, and then after all that, that's when I went to rehab in Mississippi. So what was it like from your point of view, which okay. also I'll, I'll take this chance to say, since I, and I want to find everyone else, I am truly um, regretful of like the things, like I'm very, oh, very sorry no that I put you no through doubt. that and please let me know if there's anything I can do to make that right. Um, well, so I thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I wanted to ask a question because totally. I don't have the best memory. I mm -hmm. remember the things that I know that I was um, actively involved in. Um, so I'll tell you what I remember. Okay. I remember. Oh, there was, there was one more thing I wanted that involved you was I remember feel, I was trying to quit and it was like, I remember, um, and it may have been that night, but I remember you would always be like, Hey, I'm going to church, Jed, you want to come with? And I would just be like, no, cause I, cause I knew that wouldn't mean I'd have the house to myself. But every time I had this, like the verse would pop in my head, like he won't tempt you more than you can bear and he'll provide a way out. And I'm always like, Oh, that was my way out. Why didn't I take it anyway? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> see, I never, like I said, my memory isn't the best. I don't remember those things. Like I don't remember like inviting or anything like that. I just remember us being friends and hanging out and listening to music. Um, I remember going to your parents' house because that was my first time going that far up, you know, well, not that far, but I, I went to other places, but I've never been to South Carolina. And um, <clears throat> I saw you in action, you know, and I think oh, yeah. during that time you were using, if I'm correct, when I went to your house or were you? Like, yeah, I, I think, I think I drank while we yeah, were there. Drank. That was okay. it. Okay. 
So <clears throat> I went back to play a reunion show when I was the screamer for those of you that, yeah. that don't know that was, and to visit my mom. It was just, it was, I think it was nice seeing you doing something that you love to do that had nothing to do with, um, you know, drugs um, totally. or anything like that. And it was just, I, I really enjoyed that. And I was just very prayerful that, you know, I get to do stuff like that with you more often. And I would get to just see you in that element, but without any sort of, you know, um, su substance abuse behind it all. Um, and I, so <clears throat> I remember that. And I also remember um, one day, yeah, the, that day that you mentioned about you waking up in a hospital. So I was out with, at the time I was dating someone who worked at Smoothie King. Um, I think you remember who she is. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Um, I remember getting a call it was either from Josh or from Aaron saying that something had happened and I needed to get home and it had something to do with Jed. And so I was like, Oh, Oh no, no. God, you know? And so I'm like thinking the worst here, you know, because I know your history and yeah. uh, I was just like, I hope that nothing, I hope that I'm just going to go. That was basically what, you know, what I told her when I left. And so drove over there, got into the room and you were just out, you know, we didn't really know what that meant because we had never really dealt with that, you know? Um, we just knew that something wasn't right. I think they had tried to wake you up and it wasn't happening. So they yeah. were like, you know, we don't know what to do. And, and so I was like, we got to get them to the hospital, you know? Wasn't there so, a needle near me or something? Yeah, there was all of that stuff near you. It was like yeah. the needle, the, the substance, oh, the, geez, the, the rocks or whatnot, you know, the, like you had the whole setup, you know, like on how to do that. And we were like, we didn't, we'd never seen anything like that before. So we assumed the worst. Oh. So we're like, we got to get them to the hospital right now. And so I was like, all right. At that time I was working out. I was a strong guy. I just picked you up because at that time you were not as big as you are now. <laughs> no, I was, you were massive Denzel Washington and I was little, yeah, Johnny Depp junkie. <laughs> yes, that's a perfect way to describe it. Yeah. Um, so I just like picked you up, threw you over my shoulder <laughs> and we went down the stairs because our, our, like you said, our apartment was upstairs. So we went down the stairs, threw you in the car. I was calling my mom because she's a nurse. She knows everything. And, um, you know, it's like, what do I do? You know, it's like, well, take them to the emergency room and make sure they see them right away and blah, 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 blah. Um, and so we did all that. And I remember you waking up and you were like, just like, when you woke up, you were surprised because I think one, you didn't know where you were. And two, you were surprised to see so many people who cared about you around you. And yeah. then you started crying. Um, and, uh, and I remember that because it, it seemed like um, you were not just crying because of everything that had happened, but maybe there's a little bit of embarrassment too. Um, oh, 100%. Yeah. And it was like, I just wanted, in that time period, I just wanted to say, you know, don't be embarrassed because, you know, we all know that you're struggling with this, you know. We all love you. We're here for you. That's why we're here. You know, you don't have to be embarrassed. You just have to, you know, get better. You yeah. Know, that's all. It's, that, it's more I of a. I didn't know how to say that then. Yeah. It's, I think it's more of a vulnerability thing. Like if, yeah. if anyone, if anyone listening has had that experience or, or even like, I would say anytime you kind of come to in a hospital setting surrounded by it's a very intimidating vulnerable because you know it's just like uh it's like the feeling of like the jig is up um yeah. what happened oh this is yeah. a serious thing uh like yeah and like you're naked in a gown it's just a very like yeah you're very vulnerable it's a yeah. very vulnerable state i think um now, with the other instance that you mentioned, I was getting off of work, and I don't know what happened or why. I feel like 
you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit put on my heart something about Jed, you know, and I was like, what? I was going, I was about to go to a bar with some friends and just hang out. And um, while I was at the bar, I was like, what is going on? You know, just had this like wait. And then I get a call from Olivia or I'm sorry. I don't know if I was supposed to mention names. I was, I get, a I call. already said their names. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get a call and she's like, uh, something's going on and it's really bad. Can you come over here? I think I was on my way to hang out and I was like, oh my goodness. And I knew exactly what she meant, you know, because, you know, you were living with them at the time. And um, if I just knew, so I knew. And so I turned around and I'm not kidding. Just as I turned around, an ambulance like whizzed past me, lights blaring, super loud, sirens going and everything. And I'm like, oh gosh I like turn left and follow the ambulance i didn't even have to like like i, didn't, I wasn't very sure about where they lived so i didn't go to their house a lot so you just followed the I ambulance followed the ambulance and i because i knew i knew you know that's, wow. that's, that ambulance was going exactly where i needed to go and so i followed the ambulance and um i i showed up at their apartment and i waited outside because you couldn't get in because there was all these you know, medical professionals you know around moving in and out and stuff and doing what they got to do and then i hear you screaming at the top of your lungs and i i, I oh like, even though you were screaming i was like happy to hear you screaming um because it meant that you were still with us you know right so i was like even though you're probably going through a huge amount of like just undescribable pain right now and, and just whatever is going on you're still with us enough to scream and so i was like great at least you know he can do that you know and um i honestly this is a i don't know i you hearing you talk about that story is kind of interesting because when that was happening all these things went through my mind as to what could be happening as to why you're screaming oh my gosh i'm sure (laughs) do you know what what uh what, what i like like just kind of settled on what i don't know if this is true or not i thought the reason why you were screaming so much the only reason why you could be screaming that much was they were putting a catheter up your wee wee oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that, that, that that's, where, that's where my brain went and i was like maybe that's what they're doing and that's why he's screaming so much like that be screaming like that if that happened to me that has that situation has happened to me but that was a hospital in florida and and i got restrained because i kicked a nurse in the chest because (laughs) but no so yeah yeah. what hannah told me was that i was locked up like like frozen and the paramedics came and what I remember Hannah telling me is they shot me up with a sedative, like a bent, like Valium or Xanax or something. And she said, as soon as they did, that is when I started screaming. Like I like mm. came out of something and then just started screeching. So yeah. I, that's what was so like, cause this wasn't, this wasn't a heroin overdose or nothing like that. Like this was, a and I, I've tried to look it up to really see what happened, but mm-hmm. I, and I'm not even terribly sure. Like it was just a, it's if y'all want to Google it, it was Gabatril, G A B A T R I L, and it just it was some sort of like, see, it was basically just brain damage, like bad, not a good thing, wow. like death. Yeah, because they told my they told my mom while I was in the coma, they're like, oh, yeah, he's for sure got brain damage, which maybe I do. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? You know, <laughs> I guess it's a traumatic brain injury of some kind. Wow. What do you so what do you remember after like what? So what happened after that? After that, I remember going to the hospital and again, seeing in the same kind of situation. Where. um did you see me are... when I was like unconscious? Yes. What was that like? I saw you on the stretcher, right? I didn't see you in the hospital unconscious, I don't think. Or maybe I did. I'm not exactly sure. But I, I remember seeing you on the stretcher as they were bringing you to the ambulance. And um, you just, you were 
you look gone, you know, not gone as in dead, but like gone not as in there, not there, you know, yeah. breathing, you know, you could, you, you had your eyes slightly open, but just not there, you know, and I was like, I never seen it like this before. And, and your skin was you know, like your skin, like complexion, like it seemed like you were sweating bullets, you know, like, I don't know, you were in a desert and then someone like just threw you out of the desert and brought you back to Baton Rouge or something. Wow. Like you looked like you were probably dehydrated and all sorts of things. So I was just, you know, I don't know. It was scary. It was really scary. So we all went to the hospital. I don't know if I got to see you in the hospital or not. I think I did. I think it was the same situation where you were just out of it, you know, and um i think you were in the hospital i did see you in the hospital you were in the hospital for a while actually. yes because i got like, pneumonia from yeah. um from the breathe from being intubated i got pneumonia that's what i remember is i got hooked on watching how it's made and like because i remember hannah because this, this is also my friend taylor i had in in my in my drugged up haze the weeks before she had planned on come to, coming to visit me from south carolina and it just so happened to be when i went into a coma but she made best friends with like olivia and they came to the hospital and i would remember like i would be awake but they had me so sedated i would like pass out and like olivia i guess would try to change the channel but i'd like perk back up and be like no turn it back to how it's made and then just pass out yeah. think, oh gosh dude like yeah, it's uh, I've it was a scary time for sure. But I mean, we I know I mean, I'll speak for myself. I am glad to see you on the other side of that. And like after all that happened, I I was um getting ready to basically move, you know. Yeah. When you went to that when you went to rehab in Mississippi, that was around the time where I went to um student teach. And I was basically living in Gonzales, sort of, because I had a girlfriend that I was living with, basically, at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then after that, I went and started living in Mandeville. And that's kind of where we, like, I guess during that time, that's where you were in rehab. And then I guess coming out of rehab and, um, and such. So, yeah, it, it, it was weird. It's like once once all that happened, you know, for me, I was just kind of like life for a while. Well, that was all of us, like all of our, yeah. that, that was, that was unfortunate for me because that was the last time, um, my relationship would be the same for a lot of y'all. And mm-hmm. I guess all of us really, that's, you know, it wasn't that long after that everybody moved out and got married and had kids and yeah, everybody's kind of scattered to the four winds. Um, that's how we are now for sure. Definitely. Yeah. It, and so you, in my mind, um you oh i do remember this was <laughs> i do remember um before i went to jail when i was living in spanish town you like came over and i just remember being extremely high on meth and like throwing knives around my apartment and i and like you just showed up i think with like a girlfriend too and I, and like god in retrospect like <laughs> Y'all were probably like, what is wrong with him? No. Oh, it no. wasn't? Okay. No, we were like, no, he's a cool guy. And I think you, I even threw knives with you, I think, at some point. Oh, okay. I have oh, a perception on, is weird. I have a video on YouTube from like another, um, another channel that I had at the time uh, of you throwing Of me knives. throwing knives? Yeah. Is I, it still up? I'm pretty sure it's still up. Oh, dude, send me that link. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, it was, I mean, it was whatever. I mean, yeah, you were going through stuff for sure. But I feel like through it all, I think that what kind of kept you, obviously, was, you know, just your faith. You know, even yeah. though you were you were kind of getting you're going through it for sure and the enemy was really like making it very hard you know for you to to have any sort of victory i think the your faith and the prayers of the people who loved you 
this kind of helped keep you keep you you know grounded and and from going completely over a hundred percent you know because we were all praying for you and we were all just hoping that you know things would turn around for you and all that and um and always praying for you man always always because uh like when i was and this is like about me it has nothing to do with you but when i was growing up my dad had you know he was struggling with the same kind of stuff and um he you know he didn't he he made it on the other side of that but man he brought his family through some through some shit for sure a lot yeah you know and it was like okay we just got to keep praying for jed because we want him to to get through all of this before before he starts really you know feeling the effects of what can happen to your family when when this is happening you know yes and so yeah well i i just remember really wanting to make sure that you know i was always praying and that you were at some point you knew that you know we we cared about you and that we loved you oh no well and this is what and this is where i'll i'll kind of pivot we're just talking about faith in general like i i i attribute like meeting you and that group specifically of believers was without a doubt a a um a keystone in my in my spiritual life and i've always really looked up to your faith your spiritual journey your character in a ton of ways like you have been um an idol for sure or like um my ideal like i really respected that and so i appreciate that thank you well i mean it's true i mean just even even when i would reach out to you it's like usually your your first response is like how can i pray for you and it's like gosh like geez yeah but i so when i we we re-got in touch and we we kind of um had a short little conversation kind of about faith um because i asked you about you know your current church habits so that's why i'm really curious about where you stand these days or how your faith shifted because i I think in those days you know I, i can probably sum it up to like you know hell was a real thing jesus is the only way to be saved um demons and the spiritual life are a very real thing um you gotta have faith god can heal all things through prayer (laughs) (laughs) well when when you're saying through it all i was like and through it all and through it all that's a worship song right I i think so um so and and so many of our friends and peers and musicians that we that was our first bonding was over like the christian hardcore scene of the 2000s Um, so many people have fallen away or just given up on it or deconstructed or whatever yeah Yeah. um so yeah where where have you yeah where are you and and how did you get there so I don't know where I am right now. Like, like in our conversation, I mentioned something and I really, what I need to do is like write down what's going on in my, in my spiritual life, because like, I believe in our heavenly father, you know, just as strongly as I ever did when I was a kid, you know, praying that my dad would come back home sort of stuff, you know? And, and I believe that he's still blessing us and he's still, I'm looking at the door because my, my son, as I mentioned myself as a kid, my son's trying to get into this room. He's <laughs> uh, like, God, that's, <laughs> that's so crazy that you're the, yeah. you're one of those friendships that you're the same as I remember you, except now you've got kids and family anyway. Yeah. Um, but like, I still believe that he blesses us and, 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 and moves in our lives and i do believe in you know satan i believe that satan mm-hmm. is trying to you know screw everything up and make sure that we don't see the promise and we don't see the 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 fruits of our struggle 
you know, when we finally get to heaven, I do believe in heaven. I believe in hell. You know, um, I believe that the, 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 that Satan is trying to make sure that we don't get there. You know, he lies us into agreeing and choosing hell. Basically he lies this way. Like, like, what do you think hell is? How would you define hell? I'm, I'm an annihilationist. I think, um, hell is, um, I'll say this at the end of it all, it says in the scripture that, you know, we are going to be with new bodies, you know, heavenly bodies. Uh, and we're, we're going to be um, living in a place where there's no sin, you know, and we're all just connected with the heavenly father. <clears throat> now, hell to me is anything but that you know the opposite of all of that you know so in some uh what's the word where it's like you've got denominations yeah yeah yeah. in some denominations you have you die you either go straight to heaven or you go straight to hell right in other denominations you die and you're like just in this state of sleep you know where you're just kind of you're not in either you're just sleeping and then during you know the 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 rapture basically that's when you know you know the sun's going to come and sift everybody and just you know you're going to go to either eternal death or eternal life you know at that time so i because i know that there's the two kinds of thoughts i'm thinking to myself you know i'm just going to make sure that I'm doing what I got to do in my faith and I'm kind of sticking to what I got to do and following the scriptures as, as best I can, loving my wife, um, loving the people around me and, um, and worshiping the best way I can and, um, and doing all the things that he, he asks us to do you know, in his instructions and making sure that I'm not going to be anywhere away from having the eternal life that you know he's describing in the scriptures. So, oh my gosh, that was just... What you just said almost kind of blew my mind <laughs> because it's so simple. No, you just, you like you described not wasting time thinking about such things, but just living a Christ-like life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just Jeez. doing that, doing it, doing what you know is right. Like the thing is, it says in the word that, he puts it in our heart to do the righteous or the good things that he wants us to do. He puts it in our heart to do it, you know, but what happens is in our flesh or in our confusion or in our sin, you know, basically flesh, we make the choice to not do what he's already put in our heart to do. He wants us to do what's right. He wants us to be close to him. He wants us. I mean, why would you send your only son to die for a bunch of sinners who don't care if you didn't love us, you know, if you didn't want us, if you weren't trying to help us out and bring us back to reconciliation. So why would you do all that? He wants us to be with him. And so he puts it in our heart to do what we're supposed to do. And what do you think? If, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, he, if, if that's already there, then all we got to do is just receive that and follow. Follow what he wants us to do. Follow his instructions. Follow his, his commandments. Follow. Um, do what you know is already right. You know, you know that you can't go around sleeping with everybody. You know, when you've got a wife and kids, you know, you can't, you know that you can't go around um sleeping with everybody period you know because that could be actual <laughs> physical consequences that ruin your life you know he's yeah. it's not just about sin it's also about making sure that here on this earth while you're here that you're living a life that is um healthy and that is good for the temple that he's given you you know what what's your atonement theory that you subscribe to like why did jesus have to die i've been struggling lately with the the substitution idea because it's it it's hard for me to understand God sends himself to kill himself to save us from himself sort of thing. <laughs> does, you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. I get that it. doesn't really. 
And I know this well, is going counterintuitive to what you just said about like, I don't worry about that stuff. I just do. But this is just for funsies. Why do I think that he had to die? Well, um, I think it has a lot to do with um, the tradition of what they did in order to atone for their sins. Um, back in Hebrew tradition, they would kill something that was presumed to be, you know, spotless or without blemish or something like that. And they would do that on the altar. And um, at that time, that is what was, I guess, required of them, you know, to make sure that for their community or whatever, you know, the sins were atoned for and they could keep going without being struck, stricken down or something like that. I don't know. Um, I think that's traditionally what we believe is instead of that happening, you know, his son was sent to die um, so that for all time, you know, we are, we can have our sins atoned and, 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 and that sort of thing. I think now more though that, um, I think you have to think about it on a spiritual level. You can't think about it on a physical, like um, blood and guts kind of level. You have to think about it like this, <clears throat> in, or you don't have to, but maybe this is how I think. Hey, about you it. say I got to, I got to. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Um, heaven and hell are real, right? Our Heavenly Father and, and the enemy, they're real, right? So there is an angel. He thought that he could be like the most high and he was cast out of heaven. That all is real. Um, there is a spiritual battle going on. That is real. I feel like the spiritual battle, even though we can't see it, is more real than what we see in our everyday lives. Um, and there's constantly something going on between the two, the two, the two sides. One side is trying to have eternal peace, eternal life. The other side wants um, to destroy that, you know. Um, because that was taken from him when he was cast out or it or whatever. So that being said, Christ being crucified, I feel like, yeah, it, um, it physically happened and in history, you know, you can go throughout, you know, you can do some research and there are people who talk about what happened during that time, you know. Uh, what happened to the people around them, like the people that were following Christos, as they called them in Greek, um, they did certain things and they were living a certain way and they, they were very infectious or, or not infectious, but um, infectious people where they were just constantly influencing everybody around them to kind of believe in mm. them and believe they, in Christ and stuff like they that. They should have wore masks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> but um, um and they, uh, because uh, of what had just recently happened, watching their savior being crucified at that point, they were just like on fire, you know, and, and, and Christianity was like, just kind of like moving quickly, you know, that sort of thing that all had, that's all the physical stuff. The spiritual stuff is, you know, the heavenly father wanted to make sure that he and, or his people and him were able to be back in, in bond together, you know, in order to do that, you know, you had to, I guess, basically win that spiritual battle. Like he can never lose. He's, he's always has the victory, but you had to make sure that there was a victory over death, you know, a victory over death, uh, over eternal death. And I think in my limited understanding, because, you know, I'm only human in my limited understanding, I think that is what needed to happen was he died and then was resurrected so that there could be a victory over death, a, a victory over eternal death, you know? Yeah. So like the, for, the, the CS Lewis deep magic, like the stuff we don't understand. I don't, I'm not really familiar with um That that's that just work by CS Lewis. No, that that's just his term for it. Like <clears throat> basically like the mysteries of God, he calls like deep magic. Oh, okay. I should read up on that. That way I can be more, you know, I, it sounds very interesting, yeah. Um, but I, I would like to know more about that. But yeah, so the things that we don't understand, you know, I have a pastor who always says, you know, far as you can see is the corner, but I can see around the corner, you know. Uh, and that's basically Heavenly Father speaking, saying, you know, hey, you don't understand this, 
the most high is beyond our understanding. The things that happen that we write stories about, we don't truly understand. We never have and probably never will um, as long as we are, you know, flesh and bone. But um, that's one of those things. You know, at growing up, you believe that it has to be a propitiation kind of thing where he has to be put in place of us to die for us so that we don't eternally die. Um, but now when you paint it, we ask the question, why? You know, it's almost like, you know, I don't understand why, but it does say in the scriptures that we aren't supposed to understand everything. You know, we're supposed, that's where faith comes in, you know, and that's where, you know, believing yeah. in the things that you can't see um, comes in and you're just going to have to kind of, it's like, if you know something that doesn't necessarily mean that it's as real as you believing it, you know? Uh, that's a very good point. It's a very good point. Just because I know that, and I, I'm sorry, I keep going back to my dad, but that's, you know, a very real part of my No, life. yeah, it's very fun. Um, just because I know that I have a dad, right? That doesn't mean that I believe it. Because if I don't always see him, you know, then it's not, I don't feel that, that, that reality. I don't, I don't, I don't experience that reality. That's where belief is. You know, it may be true in reality. It may, you may know something, but if it's not your reality, that doesn't make it something that you actually truly believe in and, and experience and can like, you know, engage with on a, on a deeper level. There's yeah. something walking around in the background. Yeah, that's my ferret. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Um, uh, we got a couple minutes left. So this is a question I ask a lot of people. How do you experience God today or on a daily basis? Like, what is your, how do you feel God? Well, so. Or, or it, yeah, just that. I'll tell you how I experience him on a day to day. So some time ago, I was feeling and I think I discussed this with you, you know, in a text on a different, on another issue, not related, but um, I was feeling very uh, just, I wasn't in a good place um, with my, you know, just in, in relationships and with the people that are around me and my family and stuff like that, people that are closest to me. I was putting a lot of uh, uh, importance on what they should be doing you know or putting my my uh, joy in people and whether or not they were doing what i thought they should be doing um, in their role in my life and if they didn't do it but that joy that I put on that person, or I was trying to find in that from that person, I was trying to find particular joy from people or that person that that process kind of shattered and I, I would then become very upset and angry. I'd hold things in and then I would lash out, you know, and just not not be a very enjoyable person to be around. Um, because I felt attacked when I was trying to find joy in a person and that person didn't deliver, you know, I felt attacked like, oh, you know, you're supposed to do this and you're not doing that. Um, and, you know, I'm being rejected, you know, that sort of thing. And then in the process of all of that, I felt like on my spirit, I could feel that uh, I was was doing something that was problematic. You know, I was doing it to myself because I was putting all this on other people i was trying to find joy and meaning and and um happiness from other people and people are finite they will always let you down no matter who they are um that's just we are weak we are not made to be strong you know our heavenly father is strong because we are weak or he is strong we are weak and we're supposed to his strength is supposed to be our strength so the fact that I was trying to put so much um, on other people who are weak, I was trying to get so much from other people that are weak themselves is problematic. And so I realized that in order for me to experience any like real um, uh, 
delivery from that or any real joy or any real uh, um, victory from any of that was to go back to God. You know, I needed to delight myself in God because mm -hmm. I wasn't doing that. I was trying to delight myself in my wife. I was trying to delight myself in my son. I was trying to delight myself in my friends. You know, I was trying to delight myself in my job, you know, or playing the tuba or, or teaching or, you know, this, at this time I was in school. So, you know, you know, finishing school and doing well and, and getting a attaboy from my professors and all of that, you know, I was trying to delight myself in all of those things. And I was being disappointed at every turn, every single turn I was being disappointed. Um, and so it got to the point where I was like, I don't know what to do. You know, I, I'm, I'm working very hard and I feel like everyone's letting me down. No one's working as hard as I'm working. Um, and then I started realizing, you know, God has never let me down. You know, every time I've prayed, I always got an answer. It may not have been the answer I wanted. It may not have happened when I wanted it, but it was always the right answer. You know, it's not about what I want all the time. Sometimes what is right and righteous and correct is not what you want, you know, because like I said, as far as you can see, it's the corner, um, but he can see around the corner. So, but what I got was always better, you know? Like before I got married, I wanted these women, you know, I wanted these women and every one of them disappointed me in some way. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I got married and I was like, oh, okay. That's why they disappointed me is because I wasn't supposed to be with that. You know, that was not what was for me, that sort of thing. Um, and, um, so I started praying that God would help me to delight in him and just him because he never, he's never let me down. He never fails. It says in, the, in his word, great is thy faithfulness. Thy compassions fail not. You know, thy compassions fail not. So if he never fails, and I, was, I put him to the test. I was like, you know what? I'm going to delight myself in you. And, you know, I'm the, the, the standard is, you know, I don't be disappointed. You know, I, that's the standard. Like, I can't yeah. be disappointed because in your word, it says your compassions fail not. You know, in, in your word, it says delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the des desires of your heart. You know, and I had very specific desires that I was, you know, using as my, my measurements, you know. And so I was like, you know, what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to go all in. I started doing a bunch of research. You know, how do I delight in like my prayer? What is my prayers like? Well, whenever I pray, I always pray, God, give me this. God bless me with that. God, give me this very selfish prayers, you know? So I'm going to stop that. I'm going to pray, you know, I'm just going to worship and just like give them all the accolades in my prayer. You know, I'm going to spend a certain amount of time every day, give them all the accolades and that's it. Just my prayer is just going to be like, you know, you're the heavenly father, you, you're the most high. You um, brought the earth from the seas and um, you, you separated the sky from the earth and you, you are all powerful, omnipotent, omniscient. You know, I was just going on and on and on only talking about and only praising a heavenly father and just doing that for a certain amount of time. And I kid you not, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a couple weeks, you know, or, or anything like that, where I started to see the desires of my heart just kind of come to fruition. You know, it just started happening. And I'm like, man, I am an idiot, you know, because. Oh, dude, I, I'm going to try this like starting tonight. Yeah. Like, it's like, if you really put your faith or your, not faith, put your, your focus and your, um, your effort into really worshiping and not just like coming with a, an agenda. You know, that's what I was doing at oh, first. Oh, it's all it's I'm like doing. Coming with like, oh, I need this to happen. Oh, I need this. I need this and I need that. And yeah, I need, you know, I need help. You could, I need help. You could, you know, yeah, if you could deliver me from this and strengthen me in this area and provide this for me and i need more this and you know if i'm always doing that it's like that's not delighting in the heavenly father that's just being it's demanding you know, right you're demanding that you have this like he like he works for you you know which is not the case at all you know we're here for him our our meaning is to is to just be here for him we are echoes of who he is of his existence everything about us says you know him it's all about him so when we come at, as if he's here for us we're, we're not doing what we're called to be doing, which is basically living from him and worshiping him 
because he deserves the glory. And at every turn, he will get the glory. You know, so I had to change how I prayed. And, um, and then in the process of changing how I prayed, I realized that, or actually not realized, it's not like I just thought of it. I felt like the Heavenly Father was revealing more to me about who he is. Because as I began to pray, I, I wanted to make sure that I was saying descriptive terms that describe who he is. What does the Bible say he is? You know, our, our deliverer, our, our defender, the most high, omniscient, omnipotent. And I started running out of words. So I was like, who is God? You know, who is God? Who is God? I don't know who he is. I feel like I actually, like, I know who he is as far as from when I was five to, to 18, but I never really, like, took time to, like, research who he is, you know? I always just took what my mom told me, you know? My mom said that he is this, so that's how I'm going to pray. That's kind of how I've been praying since I was from five to 34, you yeah, know? me too. And just in this, yeah. Me just too. Just in this recent year, I've started, the Heavenly Father's been revealing to me who he is and who he's not. You know, we've been seeing him as our Mr. Fix-It, you know, for every little thing. And that's not, he can fix it all, yeah, you know? Jesus will fix it. You know, there's a song like that. <laughs> um, Jesus will fix it. Yes, he will. You know, but it's like, yeah, he will do that. But that's not like, that's not his primary purpose for us. You know, he is so much more than just the fix it. You know, the, the, the little glue on, on the cracks of your life. He's so much more than that, you know. And so while I was praying, I started learning who he is you know i started doing research on what does uh who do who do we say he is here on earth um who did we say he is you know back when they were actually kind of in the process of writing the scriptures you know who did they say he is you know um and after doing all of that it, it's completely changed how i see um everything you know I, there are certain things that I say, and there are certain things that I don't say, you know, there are certain things that I do, there are certain things I don't do, um, and I am a completely different kind of spiritual person now than I was when you and I were hanging out, you know, 10, 12 years ago, you know, completely different, absolutely completely which, different. Which is a good thing. I mean, I think that's how it should be. I, I, I can tell you I am I'm literally gonna take this advice because I need um and I, I don't I don't think we reconnected in this seemingly random way for no reason. Um yeah, you know. Yeah, I wanna say this. Um I would said I want to encourage you and anyone who's listening to pray about who God is, you know, ask him, who are you? Ask him that question and ask him that question consistently and persistently and be persistent. Like the woman who was knocking on the judge's door, needing an answer, you know, keep asking that question. You will get an answer. Do your research too. Um, look through the word, but also look um, at sources that are about what's in the word or about what's in the scriptures, um, because they also offer some insight to uh, who God is and who he is, um, who we say he is, uh, who we are to say he is. Um, because I feel like when you start learning more about who he is and how you are to pray to him and refer to him and, and call upon him, um, it changes how your prayers are answered. Uh, it changes the power of your prayer. Now, for a long time, people have had their prayers answered when they pray. I'm not saying that they're not answered when they don't pray a certain way. I'm saying, you know, the Heavenly Father knows our heart and he knows, you know, he, he blesses those who don't know who he is. You know, he blesses people who are not Christian, right? Because he loves everyone, you know, um, he wants to, he, he's trying, he's, this, it's his way of reaching out to people who need to know who he is, right? He's trying to, you know, reveal himself to those who don't know him and don't call upon him so that they can learn to know him and call upon him because he's trying to reach we're not trying but he wants to reach everyone you know it's not like a pick or choose i only want these people he wants his children 
We are his children. He created all of us. We are his children. He wants all of us to be reconciled to him. It's the enemy that wants all of us to not be. So I would advise anyone to always ask, who are you? Who do you say you are? Who, um, who am I in you? You know, um, and do some research on all of that because what you find might shock you. And, but the thing is, once you start understanding, you know, this is in the, in the word, um, transformation comes by the renewal of your mind. Once you start understanding how you've seen things in, the, in your past and how you're starting to see things going forward, um, you will have some, I believe that there will be peace about who you are and who he is and what you are called to do with that information. And um, I feel like you'll be changed for sure. Oh, well said. It's like you do some research and you're like, wait a minute. God is. Yeah, yeah. Do some Gary research. Cole. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, yeah, no. Do some research and like, just kind of like be a student, become a student, because I will say this. There are some things that we have learned throughout our childhood that are not all correct, you know, because yeah. they didn't know. Either. Yeah, they didn't know either. They, they're yeah. just, they were being told. Some the same things we were being told, and they believed it and went on, you know. That's just like uh, and that's so what... you got to do your due diligence and, yep. and learn. Study your it says in the word, study yourself to um, study to show yourself approved. You know, you got to do some studying because there's there are people with agendas trying to create different things and create a culture. And um, in the process of doing all of that, they kind of do a, they, they fib on some things. You know, so you got to start understanding what is real, what is truth, veritas. I think you got that on your body yep, somewhere, right? I do. That was my first tattoo that we got together. Yep. So um, veritas, truth. What is truth? You know, um, in Hebrew, it's amat. You know, so you got to know what is truth. You know, what is the truth about what we believe? Ask the Heavenly Father, what is the truth? Who are you? Who do you say you are? And make that be a consistent prayer. And I believe you will, you will get your answers. You know, and it says in the word, you know, if those who keep saying Lord, Lord, you know, they may he may not hear you. It says that um, I think Jesus was talking about the Lord's prayer uh, before he said the, the Our Father, and he said, you know, how are we to pray? Well, you know, call upon them. You know, um, you know, just call them Father in in my name, basically. You know, but like ask him who he is who is the father you know and after doing that consistently i do believe an answer will come and and follow it and and don't be well, afraid I'll, you know i i will i will get back to you on the result but <laughs> larry thanks thanks so much for coming on man i love you very right, much thank you. um send me an email church and other drugs at gmail.com patreon.com slash church and other drugs and some new merch is on store frontier slash church and other drugs y'all have a good awesome awesome sauce i feel so
If you decide to leave Just to be the one that you left Just to be the one that you left